0: Hi, welcome to LISD's Digital Dish, the podcast hosted by Julia Solnick and Michael Vick, two of LISD's instructional technology facilitators. We will be discussing the latest digital innovations, dilemmas, and solutions for your classroom and beyond. We love Google, efficiency, and sharing information. Join us as we banter, debate, and decipher the technology offerings of LISD and beyond.
1: Hi, this is Julia Solnick
0: and Michael Vick.
1: And welcome to our pilot episode of
0: The The Digital Digital Dish. Dish.
1: (laughs) I am an instructional technology facilitator for the elementary uh, Central Zone. I serve pre-K through fifth grade students and teachers.
0: And I'm Michael Vick. I'm a secondary ITF in Central Zone here in Louisville ISD. Um, I I help out teachers a lot. I help out administrators and, and students. I love going in the classroom.
1: Yeah, definitely. Being in the classroom is one of my favorite things. It makes
0: me miss teaching. It, like I really enjoyed doing that in the classroom when I was a teacher, and now I like doing it as an instructional tech
1: guy. Absolutely. Um, we really appreciate you guys joining in for our inaugural episode. It's going to be fun. It is. We're excited to be sharing um, you know, some digital learning with you guys in a different format. Um, I and Michael, we both actually yeah. are huge podcast mm-hmm. fans.
0: Love it, love it. My
1: love of podcasts began when I heard about the podcast Serial. If you haven't listened, I suggest you uh, check it out. And I was so obsessed with Serial that my fiancé and I spent the entire drive to Austin listening to episodes and then would just randomly find reasons to drive around to listen to episodes and then drove back and finished the series. So, um Ever since then, I was hooked on podcasts. I have about ten in my regular rotation that I listen to.
0: I've got I've got about fifteen now. I, I kind of took a different route. I love fantasy football, and I have like three different podcasts. Sometimes even more podcasts just about fantasy football. But then when I you know when it's not football season, what do you do? And I found I mean there's lots of like uh, Freakonomics podcast, and kind of a branch off of that is kind of a game show podcast. Tell me something I don't know. It's the same host as Freakonomics, but really one of my favorite ones is the Google Teacher Tribe podcast, which when I started listening to that, I thought, man, I could do this. I mean, I really could make my own podcast and have a a different form of media out there for teachers and just for nothing else because it's fun.
1: Yeah, and um, you know, I kind of thought the same way. I love listening to podcasts, whether they're for entertainment or to learn something, because I feel like driving to me is such a dead time.
0: Yeah, and like walking or you know, like jogging. Yeah, working like,
1: out at the gym and and or you know, yeah, like you said, it's just a dead time. And I, I like to be engaged. I like to be learning or intrigued. Um, and so, we, we were at a, an educational technology conference called ISTE in yeah. San Antonio, which was a great experience if you ever have an opportunity to go.
0: Really techie. You learned a lot of, lot of really cool stuff. I went to this really cool Desmos training, for
1: example. Yeah. And while there, I hopped into a podcasting training because I love podcasts. And there was a teacher there from uh, Grapevine Colleyville, actually, who was leading it. Shout out to our local friends. And she was talking about how she started a podcast for her district. And I thought, that is something I would love to do. And then I thought, who would be my partner in crime for this? And Michael immediately came to mind because I wanted to have an elementary and a secondary perspective
0: yeah and I think it also just a, a male voice and female voice. I think that works well for podcasts. You listen to podcasts out there and a lot of times you need you need to know who's talking like it's just it's kind of important when, how did we find out like that we both have this crazy love for podcasts. We're, I think it was like one of those times where we were like all, all the ITFs got together and we're just kind of talking about what we're listening to.
1: Yeah, I think it was an office day, and actually, someone was trying to finish listening to a podcast during their lunch break. Oh, and yeah. And then you and I got into this big, long discussion about them.
0: Yeah, I downloaded some podcasts you suggested, and you looked at some that I suggested. Yeah. yeah okay. okay I
1: it was, you know. You, us podcasting people we find each other yeah it's like, There's a, like a whole
0: community it's like a cult <laughs> it's like a,
1: seriously though it was a total nerd alert moment you guys know if you're listening you know you know you're with it. and if you yeah. this is your first podcast to listen to or you're just getting your feet wet you'll learn soon you, you it's might, fantastic you're become
0: a podcast cult member too
1: exactly
0: <gasps> well that's us since so, i mean since we're in let's let's talk a little bit about the uh format of our show so we, we sat down and we we're thinking it doesn't want to be we don't want to have it just like us just talking to each other the whole time we kind of want to to have some sort of format and so we really came up with some categories like we're going to have we're going to talk about some cool tools and some general knowledge we're going to drop some knowledge on you guys mic
1: drop style boom
0: and so, we're, I mean, so we're going to have like a section for exciting tools. We're going to have just like a one, a, like a somber, quiet moment where we can just kind of say something that's been either bothering us or that's really important to us or both. And then we're going to go into like an old tool that we're not sure everybody knows about, but they should. And then we're going to talk a little bit about digital citizenship. And then we're going to hit something, an LISD highlight, a district highlight. That'll be our format, and we're going to We're going to have some fun. We're going to talk to each other. We might even argue and get excited. Um, But it's going to be fun. We're going to start off uh, here in a minute with our favorite exciting tool. It's that time again for the Digital Dishes Exciting Digital Tool.
1: So exciting digital tool. Now, this isn't a new tool um, so much as it is an exciting addition to many of our G Suite friends.
0: What, what? Always making changes.
1: Yes, and changes are always for the better. They're super responsive to the education community. Um, and for those of you who aren't familiar with the term G Suite, uh, that just means your Google products. Drive, Docs, Slides. Forms. forms. Um, one of the <laughs> great things that Docs finally added was the ability to make columns and documents. This is so exciting for us who write a lot of Docs documents and could never make columns. You had to put in a table and then divide the table into columns and then type in the table. Um, I I felt like it was
0: mostly like those people who were stuck on Word. It was just one of those things Well, Word's got this and it's like no, well now you can't say that. Yeah,
1: Now you can't say that because Docs has columns. Some of the other great updates that have come out recently, really uh, Google's response to the education community and keeping up with the trends. If you're using the Classroom app, you have an assignment for students. You now have the ability to respond to an assignment with videos. That came out last year, but I think it's something that a lot of teachers don't know about so your kids can leave video responses as an assignment now which is great especially with elementary students with all those changes because of terms of service we'll get to that in a minute you know
0: there was another google classroom update i heard about you know when um your, your kids sign up for your classroom, there's that code. Well, it used to be you had to, like, make your screen really big or copy the code and paste it onto a doc or something. Now, if you click on it, it makes this nice, big, screen size class code thing for everybody to sign up. I saw that the other day. I was with a teacher, and they clicked on it. I'm like, oh, that's new. That's pretty cool. Then mm-hmm. I found out later it's one of Classroom's newest updates.
1: Which is great because, you know, nobody likes having to squint or zoom in and then your screen gets all big and weird. Yeah. Um, also now on Classroom, which is really great for parenting, teacher conferences, RTI, any of those teacher meetings that you might get into, is if you're using Google Classroom, you can now click and sort by students to bring up an individual student and all of the assignments they've completed. Yeah,
0: that's huge.
1: Um, before, you had to go into each individual assignment, and it just... Well,
0: like if the kid comes ask you, did I turn in blah, 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 so-and-so worksheet, and you're like, uh, well, let's go look, and they're trying to find it, when you can now just click on the kid and be like, you didn't turn in this one, this one, and you need to get your act together. Yeah.
1: You know, it's it's a great way for that management piece. We all know we have have the students who need a little bit more help from the teacher than with getting things turned in. Slides recently had a whole bunch of new updates. I have to dig a little bit more into them to really let you guys know the full benefit. That might be coming up soon. But also you'll notice just by using Google in general that the toolbars kind of got a little bit of a facelift now. Um, They look a little bit different than they did just just a little bit of an updating. But I think Michael is going to stay with the Google trend, and he's going to talk about some exciting things.
0: Yeah, I mean, one of the biggest things about Google being responsive is they've made a whole new Google Sites. Like, if you haven't checked that out, that is one happening product. It is. You can bring stuff. It looks a lot like if you've ever used Weebly or some of those other, like Wix, or some of those other really nice user-friendly interfaces to make your own website. New Google Sites is like that, except now it's Google, which means you can embed your other Google documents in there, and it's just... Just really pretty, and I know they're still making some changes to that because um, it's kind of, I, I think it still be really considered in the beta version. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I would just, uh, a word to the wise for any of those looking for new Google sites, make sure you're in the Chrome browser to use it. It oh, won't yeah. show up in Safari. Yeah, I was
0: actually with the teacher earlier today, like two <laughs> hours ago, and found out that he couldn't get into the new sites because he was in Safari. You're yeah. right.
1: I love the new Google sites because I tell teachers classic sites there is no way I could teach it to you in a conference period. New sites, I could teach it to you in 20 minutes, and you'd feel pretty confident... Going forward,
0: yeah, I mean, classic sites. There's still so much in there that it's just it, it really is not made for the general teacher. Like that, that's really what it comes down to. It comes you need to be like a web design expert to be able to utilize all the customization features in classic sites. But new sites is better. Like you can work really hard to try and make it ugly, and you will not succeed. Like it is.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's it's true. It's it's a drag and drop format. I tell teachers all the time. Classic sites, yes, it is more customizable. But it took me hours and hours yeah. to get my old site to look like, like that.
0: It seems like no matter what you do, it just looks blocky and gray. And it's, there's really not a whole lot you can do without having to go change like eight different things just to change what you would consider to be one thing. Like, I want my co- oh, my background to be this. And then it's like, oh, that's eight different places to go. Right. Like,
1: <laughs> quite honestly, I don't think if I were a ha- to rebuild my site from scratch, I'd even remember half the places I That's true. Like Most of the time,
0: <laughs> you're just clicking and figuring it out. <laughs> totally. I agree. All
1: right. What else are you excited for, Oh, okay. For this
0: part, I mean, this is just like incredible functionality, productivity stuff. And it's extensions in Google. Uh, actually, in Google Chrome. When you're in Chrome, up uh, on the top right, you need to log in. If you haven't logged in, you're missing out because you can add extensions. So, I'm going to tell you something. I have a lot of them. I, I'm counting. It's probably like I don't know, 13 or 15 extensions here, but some of the ones that I'm going to highlight, you're going to love me. If you you download these two extensions, Tab Scissors and Tab Glue. It's actually two separate extensions, but they work together. They work with each other. So what Tab Scissors does is you click on it, and it automatically takes your window and cuts it in half. And it takes your current tab and puts it on one half, and the tabs just before it, on another half.
1: What? Have you
0: not seen this? No.
1: Really? It's amazing. Oh, it's not right now. Here's the live studio reaction
0: <laughs> of this. Here we go. He's we okay. Go. He's going there to
1: his go. browser. He's click. What? Wow. So
0: like, if you're like click, over your, clicking over your roster or putting over ID numbers, and then when you're done, you just click on tab glue, and it puts it right back together. You don't have to change the window size. You don't have to do anything.
1: That's awesome. Have you really not seen that? That's a huge thing for productivity. No, oh I gosh. haven't seen that.
0: I cannot tell you how many like times I was looking at fantasy football rankings on the left side of my. <laughs> oh, <wait. laughs> uh,
1: That might be a problem unique to you, Michael. That's not one I'm constantly no, having. <laughs> well, I mean,
0: we were doing the Z portfolio links, and I wanted to see who was done and who I still yeah. needed. And I totally—I mean, I use the heck out of tap scissors and tap. Tape. I love it. All right, and then my my other favorite one, like I said, there's a bunch of them. Google Docs Quick Create. Uh, I think this was an Alice Keeler, an extension that she created. And what it does is, no matter what window you're on, if you have Chrome up, you click, you click on Google Docs Quick Create, and you can create a document, spreadsheet, presentation, drawing, or a form right there. You don't have to go into Drive. You don't have to. You don't have to do anything. It just creates it right there and automatically gives you a document. It's like. Eight less clicks, <laughs> which is just like way better than anything. and and it's just fast. Like how many times are you like working with somebody's like oh, I really should be taking notes. Well, there you go. There's one click and boom, you're taking notes. You're ready to go. So those are some of my favorite extensions. There's a lot of extensions out there. There's some productivity extensions. or some shortener extensions. There's even like a Bitmoji extension. Which I is, use
1: my Bitmoji yeah, extension I, all
0: the time. I, I, I'm telling you. <laughs> Bitmoji's awesome. It's, it's just like basically, for those of you that don't know, it's just like a cartoon character that you create kind of in your image. And, uh, I mean, you just do funny things and say funny things. And there's, I really use it mostly on my phone. (laughs)
1: Sometimes I feel my Bitmoji is more myself than I am.
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, you look at, Casey Bell was talking about Bitmoji one time. Casey Bell's, uh one of the digital learning leaders in the country. It's actually from Austin. But uh she's saying that it's really important to personalize your work. And a lot of people, well, you don't really want to put your actual face on there. I mean, I know I don't. I'm like balding you know, and see that. I wanna put my <laughs> <laughs> I wanna put, put it in a shave or whatever. You know, I wanna put my bitmoji on there because it's funny, it's humorous. It kinda of, it kinda of fits my personality, I think too. Just kinda of like that that fun and let's let's make this fun and So, yeah, those those are my cool, exciting tools for you today. Sit back and relax. It's time for A Moment With.
1: All right, that brings us to A Moment With, and I'm going to kick us off. My moment is with Terms of Service. Yeah, it's. It's been an adjustment, um, to say the least, for teachers starting out this school year. LISD has always been diligent in the past about terms of service, but um, we've really been going through them with a fine-tooth comb to make sure that we're protecting the privacy and the safety of the students in LISD.
0: Following COPA. Yeah,
1: Yeah. this is not a bad thing. Um, COPA, for those of you who don't know, is the Children's Online Privacy and Protection Act.
0: Wow, we didn't have that ready Yeah,
1: I've said it enough. I should know it. Um, And that basically limits the amount of information a company can collect from somebody under the age of 13. And what that means is a lot of websites require that you get parent permission for anything that's going to collect data. To be COPA compliant, you need to make sure that you state in your terms of service whether you're collecting information and if it needs parent permission for children under the age of 13 because you are collecting information. What that means for educators are you need to read the terms of service. Thankfully, with things like the LISD App Store, we have tools that are applicable, that are COPA compliant, that don't require parent permission. But there are a lot of tools out there if you have shared iPads or if you're going on the web that you really need to pay attention to terms of service. So some of my favorite tools like Recap and Padlet, you need to get parent permission for students to use, which again isn't a bad thing. It just takes an extra step. So make sure at the beginning of the year you're sending home those parent permission forms, the LA ISD generic parent permission form we'll link that in the show notes to make sure that you can have access to all of those great tools out there for learning
0: I had a I had one of my campuses just go ahead and put all the digital tools that they could possibly think of on one of those forms, parent permission forms that you were talking about, and sends it out and have kids' parents sign it. So like at the secondary level, terms of service are a little bit different. For sixth and seventh graders, those are the kids that are generally under thirteen. They have to do the same thing elementary ones have elementary students have to do. But a eighth grade they're generally thirteen and up and they can use some of those that are thirteen and up or, you know, depending on what the terms of service say, the privacy policy. Um, they can use it as 8th graders. But 6th and 7th graders, they have the whole app store available to them. And they don't have uh, the LIST app store, the way the elementary... So it's really scary for 6th and 7th graders because there's a lot of stuff in there. And it really comes down to educating, right? Educating teachers and educating students. But, like, a lot of the kids, they're not even aware that they're downloading something that really is not for them. And, I mean, it's not necessarily their fault. They just... You know, it's just something that we need to be aware of as teachers and especially as ITFs. And you can always have that conversation with other teachers, uh, administration, uh, your ITF, your campus ITF. Um, You can always have those conversations and figure out what the terms of services are for the things that you use in your room.
1: And how to find them. It can be really tricky to find those terms of service. Um, They're kind of hidden. They're kind of tucked away. They
0: change sometimes.
1: They change a lot. Um, So asking your ITF is not a bad thing. We're we're all well aware of terms of service and how to find them. And if we don't know where they are, we can find the people that do.
0: Yeah, we'll figure it out. If it's a problem you're having, then it's a problem we've had.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) Trying to figure
0: out the terms of service.
1: That's for sure. And that's your moment with Julia. Next time, you'll have a moment with Michael.
0: Yeah, I really kind of went into your moment there a lot, but, yeah.
1: That's okay. I'm happy to share my moment right. with you, Michael. Oh, <laughs> <funny. laughs>
0: It's time for an oldie, but a goodie.
1: All right, so, moving on. Okay, so, the next
0: thing we're going to talk about is an oldie, but a goodie. So this is a tool that has been around for a while. I don't even know how long this one's been around, that we feel like a lot of teachers don't know or a lot of them that don't know should know. And so this one is one of my favorite ones. I actually did a training today, and I talked about this. So when you make something in Google Docs or, or in Google Drive, whether it's a doc, a slide, or a spreadsheet, or whatever it is, you can force your participants, or in this case students, to make a copy. And it's really easy. You go to the address bar the URL at the very top and at the very end you'll see a slash and it'll say edit. Now if you're on a slide, it'll say edit, slide number, and then this long number, right? But if you're on anything else, it just says the word edit. If you delete out the word edit and make it say copy and then press enter, it'll take you to a whole new screen with a little blue button that says make a copy. And it is really cool because, like, if you want to share your notes with kids, a lot of kids have accommodations for that. And even if they don't, it's good to have the notes. Or, like, let's say you made a template for them in in Docs and you just want them to fill in the answers. It is a great thing to use in your classroom. I think they probably... made this in the beginning for Google Classroom. They made that option for Google Classroom, but now this is kind of like a workaround just to do that if you're not set up with Google Classroom.
1: Yeah, I mean, we all have learning management systems and some are not Google Classroom, so some of them you might not be easily able to get your kids to make a copy of something, Mm -hmm. and this is a great tool. Now, Michael, you mentioned that if it was on a slide, it would say slides, copy, or I'm sorry, edit slides, and then a number. Right, yeah. Are, do they take off that whole point. Yeah, you take off the
0: whole thing. In fact, I made that error. Uh, I did a class this summer where I just substituted the word copy for edit, but I kept all the numbers and everything there, and it wasn't working. It was kind of like one of those, oh, technology's not working moments, you know. And then I realized, oh, wait, maybe I have to take away the whole thing. And then I did. And, you know, we hadn't said it yet, but you could also... With that link, you can make a QR code. You can make a tiny URL or a Google shortener um, from that. So, like, even though, like, you have it there, it's, it still is a long, hard-to-write, hard-to-remember address. So you can always make a shortener for that. And that's actually almost always what I do when I have kids make a copy of it.
1: Yes, I love that. Um, especially, like, in our, our pre-reader classes, or kids who are sharing iPads in, like, pre-kindergarten and... Kindergarten and first
0: it took me a second. Pre-reader, I'm like, what are you talking
1: about? I'm like, Let me pull out some elementary lingo for you. Like, pre-reader, what? Uh, so those Not an app? those age <laughs> maybe there is one out there Probably. somewhere, but those age kids they have a hard time. Typing in a web address, even a Bitly, so you can have a QR code where they're scanning with their iPad, c- hitting "Make a cop that "Make a Copy" button, and then doing a picture ser- sort or whatever you might yeah, have. I didn't even think about
0: them. that. Like do a Google drawing with mm-hmm. it. Man, yeah, be neat.
1: yeah, very cool.
0: So oldie but a goodie. That is one of my favorites. Making a copy. I stuff. would
1: agree with that. That's a good one, Michael.
0: It's time for a note about digital citizenship.
1: We find it only appropriate that we end our first podcast, which is Taste... On an in-service day where George Kuros is he's, actually here. He's here today. Speaking to our district. Hopefully, um, if you didn't get to see him at one of the high schools, you at least were able to go see him talk at the parent night for parent information.
0: Can, can I tell my George Kuros story? Go for okay, it. Okay, so like over summer, I was hanging out with Julia and some other some other ITS, and I'm like, yeah, I've been to all these trainings, and I was kind of like on my own, because there were only two secondary ITS there. And so um, the elementary kind of had their own little elementary one, ones and then that secondary had their own secondary ones uh, trainings to go to and they're like hey we're gonna go listen to George Kuros and I've heard him before I mean I follow him on Twitter but I'm like oh okay we're gonna go to this thing about digital citizenship which almost always means I'm gonna slap your hand for something you did or can't do that's almost always exactly what it means.
1: here's what your kids aren't able to do <laughs>
0: but you know Julie was cool everybody else there was cool and I'm like okay I'll go to that sure so, but what I learned there was actually very different than the whole slap your hand if you do this thing. What did I learn, Julia?
1: You learned <laughs> after we took our selfie with George. Oh yeah, put his arm around
0: me. I, that made all the ladies jealous. Yes,
1: a little jealous. <laughs> but what you learned was there's a huge difference between the being a digital leader and a digital follower. And that we spend so much time teaching our kids what they can't do on the internet that we never teach them what they can do. And what good agents of change the internet can be. And that comes to you as a teacher as well you can be an agent of change by being a digital leader as opposed to just a digital follower. You're
0: allowed to, like what I was saying right, with the make a copy and make mistakes. You're allowed to. It's almost good. I guarantee everybody in that room learned way more because I made the mistake with technology. Like, I was being a digital leader by doing just the whole make a copy thing, just going out on a limb and trying something new and technology that I hadn't tried before. And it's great learning for you. You're going to learn it better. Your kids or your students are going to learn it better, or in my case, my participants in my training
1: learned how to do it way better than they otherwise would have absolutely we learn from risk taking you learn what you can do better and you can learn how you might change something in the the next time you do it or what you would never do again and and think about an instructional strategy when you first learned about it you had to take a risk got an email y'all sorry (sighs) think about an instructional strategy when you first learned it you had to take a risk You had to try something new. You were
0: nervous. You were nervous
1: and technology is no different. I think we're we're all we all get a little bit scared of technology sometimes, especially when it comes to our students because they know so much about technology. But what they know about technology is on the side of a toy. Yeah, like social, social, yeah, yeah. Like they're
0: not they're not quite educated on how to use it as a productivity tool. Like, like the kids have iPads and they have computers at home and they just they know what to do to have fun on it, but they're not really sure what to do to be productive on it. And, and that's what you get to do as a teacher. You get to teach them that.
1: Exactly. That's where you come in. So we really wanted to end this with a digital citizenship note that might be a little bit different than the digital citizenship that you're yeah. used to hearing. Try
0: new things. Be fun.
1: Try new things. Mm-hmm. Be a risk taker. Try it out before your students so that you can anticipate when something may arise but even if not, it's not a big deal because you are there to learn together in your culture of learning. And, yeah, I think we're going to close this one up, yeah. wrap it up.
0: The inaugural edition of The Digital Dish is over. It is
1: over. We thank you so much for sticking with us. There were a couple of segments that we didn't get to today, but we're going to hold off on integrating everything until we get more experience, I guess, yeah, you would say. I just, yeah, we don't want to be
0: too long, too, because... We want you guys to just listen to it, and who runs for you know forty-five minutes. This is what we were going to go to eventually.
1: Exactly. (laughs) So thanks for joining in. This is Julia Solnick and Michael Vick signing off. Signing off. Bye.